Hello, friends. Welcome back to our OELC Castle podcast, Shoulders of Giants. My name is Nathan Adams, and I'm so very pleased to be speaking with you again today. As you will no doubt have heard from OELC's many online platforms, the 2021 in-person season for OELC has been cancelled once again due to COVID-19. I know this is a blow and it's hard for us all to absorb, but OELC is pushing forward towards 2022. Coming up very soon in our podcast cycle, our very next episode, will be my interview with Karen Albertson, who is the current president of OELC, and she's going to answer all of your questions about that in depth, so please stay tuned for that in the next few weeks. I should reiterate at this time that the OELC podcast's primary focus is to try and bring some of the extraordinary stories and people associated with OELC uh, out into the into the light so that you can hear about them and get a sense of what the place is truly about. And since so many of you have been involved in the center to give you a little feeling of what it's like to be back on site. And we seem to need that more and more as the days go by through this uh, crazy world that is filled with COVID-19. Today, I'm going to be going back to talk to someone who is a youth facilitator. Uh, for those of you who might not know, youth facilitators are the uh, people who are usually leaders at one time, and leaders is what we would call a camper. Um, and they've uh, reached a point where they're in uh, high school or maybe early university, and they've come back to OLC to work. And as a youth facilitator, it is their job to stay in the cabins with the leaders, to support them with their day-to-day process, and to be team members with our teacher facilitators and our administrators. And although the teacher facilitators and administrators are well-loved by the leaders, there is no greater hero no more inspirational figure than the youth facilitator who spends their entire day supporting um, these young people and being with them and being their first go-to point when they're feeling homesick or unsure or if they're trying to figure out how to solve a particular problem. The role of youth facilitator is vitally important because it provides our leaders with an image of where they might go next because they are so close in age that these youth facilitators end up being an image of maybe I could be like that person. And it's so vital and important as a part of our OLC process. So today I'm going to be speaking with uh, Ms. Brahamia Balaranjan, who uh, also known as Pham, who uh, worked with us at the Intermediate Arts course for quite a while. And she has some really interesting insight to share about her time at OLC and what kind of impact it had on her, both as a leader and also as a staff member. So Without further ado, here's that interview and a quick reminder to come back soon because these episodes are going to start coming fast and furious. Youth facilitators are the amazing young people who stay in the cabins with our leaders, care for them directly, and experience um, the opportunity to lead a team of young people for the first time. I've been lucky enough to work with quite a few of these extraordinary young people in my time at OALC, and today I am joined by Ms. Brahamia. Uh, Balaranjan, who is uh, a youth facilitator on the I Intermediate Arts course with me for quite a while. And of course, I feel very strange calling her that because we all called her PM while she was on site, but that's okay. And uh, I'm very excited to have her here with me today. Good morning. Good morning. Brahmi is being very nice and saying good morning to me. She's talking to us directly from Australia today. So it's actually like eight <laughs> o'clock at night where she is. So Brahmi, thank you very much for doing this with us on what I assume is a Saturday night while I am up way early in the morning. I mean, let's start from the beginning. Tell us how you came to OELC. So I came to OELC because um, I received a scholarship from my music teachers at my music program in high school. And so I went to the secondary music course in, I think it was grade 10. And that was just such a completely transformative experience. Um, you go in 
being told kind of like, oh, it's this amazing thing and it's crazy and you're going to love it. But you walk in there on the first day not really knowing what to expect. And it's the crazy thing about OELC is it's so hard to put into words how to describe the experience because there truly aren't any. Um, that's just how magical it is. But it started there. And luckily, I had the privilege of coming back for, I think, the next four years mm -hmm. um, to work on, on the iArts course with the grade sevens and eights. And yeah, that's how I came to OELC. That's great. Tell us a little bit about what made iArts special for you. Was there a specific moment or experience that stands out for you? Everybody finds this question challenging. Try to limit your answers to one or two. <laughs> I am actually going to limit my answer to zero. Um, okay. It's really hard to think of specific moments that iArts brings, especially when four years, it kind of all blurs together. But I think a better question that I can answer is kind of what emotions it brings up to me. Mm -hmm. um, iArts was full of positivity, inspiration, and joy. It was a lot of wonder and it was a lot of learning, but also in iArts, what you think as a youth facilitator would be gone by now was actually the experience of discomfort that came along with the course. But I think what iArts taught me was how to be comfortable in the discomfort, how to revel in it and how to grow and learn from it and be okay with that feeling of uneasiness and knowing that that's where all the growth happens. So when I think back to iArts, I think about how that was the time in which I learned how it's okay to not be okay and how to make the best out of it. Well, that's a phenomenal set of skills considering what we've been through in the last 18 months, right? That's a super Definitely. useful question. Talk to me a little bit about, and maybe you haven't had this experience. Tell me, did you, have you had, have you experienced camp outside of OELC? Yeah, I have actually. Um, I was, I went to a religious camp when I was in middle school or just before high school started. And I guess kind of, I got a little bit of a camp experience when I was at high school during our music leadership retreat. But in a way, that was kind of the bridge towards OELC as well. Um, it's funny, your choice of words that you say another camp experience. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of disagree with you. I don't see OELC as a camp at all. I think from the outside, it structurally, it really looks like that. You know, it's an overnight experience. There's a lot of students and kids around. You do a lot of fun things. But I think the difference lies in the fact that every moment at OELC is a learning experience and that it provides that opportunity to grow and learn and fail and learn from every little thing, whether it's meal times when we're learning how to follow that routine and work together at a table or whether it's just standing in line, moving from one area to the other or the actual meat and core of the program during the team building exercises or getting ready for bed at night. Everything has a little bit of learning to it, which is why it's a bit different from camp. But also what's really cool about that is that it can be just as fun as a camp during all of that. The amount of like laughter and humor and joy that you get through all those experiences. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. That's great. And that's exactly it. I mean, the um, <laughs> I, I it actually that question actually always makes me a little uncomfortable because I always have to say you know, what what makes OLC different from other camp experience. And people always say it's not a camp, and I'm like, I know it's not. <laughs> a camp. I'm trying to get you to say that, so <laughs> that's perfect. Thank you very Fair much. Enough. 
<laughs> because we need to understand that it is, as we said, we used to refer to it as the center for a reason. Um, it's a it's an honest to goodness leadership program. I mean, um, students leave there with a certificate, irrelevant of what course they've taken. They leave the certificate because they've been trained in student leadership, and that's a very very different reality from I went to camp and you know made some friendship bracelets and made three. New yeah, friends. very different different perspective that is. No matter whether you went as a leader or as a youth facilitator, my experience is that everybody walks away from OLC and usually from each individual time there with a bigger and more advanced sense of their strengths and weaknesses. So can you talk to me about what you discovered about your strengths and weaknesses as a leader over your time at OLC? You may not be able to quantify each one, but tell me what you can remember. I discovered that my strengths and weaknesses are very, very, very dynamic. <laughs> it was as if every time I went there one year after the other, my challenge was completely different. Um, my first year at OELC, I was extremely shy and extremely scared, which was so different from the person I was at high school, which was very bubbly and outgoing. Um, so learning how to kind of branch out of my shell and find a voice was definitely the challenge of that year. Um, throughout the years, as time went on, it was more kind of learning how not to be a shark, kind of in the leadership styles, we say, um, how to give other people a chance to speak and take the lead, lead, quote unquote. <laughs> um, I think towards the end of my journey at OELC, it was very much kind of learning how to use my strengths and weaknesses to help other people grow um, and how to share that voice and share the experience. So it was very dynamic. <laughs> I completely agree. Um, I I've, I went to OELC in various courses 12 times, 13 times over the course of, um, of my time there. And I was always astounded by coming home and going, nope, that was my year to work on this part of me. And you don't even really recognize it until you're, you're walking away from it going, okay, yeah. that is where we were headed this time. How fascinating. And so, yeah, that's, it's one of the reasons that people say to me, well, why would my, why would my child go back? Why would um, we need to go back and do it again? He said, you don't understand um, how many more things you can learn. Actually, um, you only scratch the surface the first time. So, yeah. okay. Tell me about what you're up to now. Uh, where are you at school? And uh, tell us about that first, then I have leadership questions. So go ahead. Sure thing. Uh, right now I'm in Australia. I'm in northeastern Australia in a city called Cairns, and I'm studying dentistry. I'm right now in my third year of school. I know you've had a few different opportunities to apply your leadership skills in university. Can you tell us a little bit about how you've been able to apply your OELC knowledge? I got to say, coming to Australia, that was probably my biggest challenge. Well, obviously, there are a lot of challenges, but with respect to my leadership and my sense of self, I've very much been used to always playing a big role in the communities that I go to, um, taking a big stance or really putting myself into extracurriculars, associations, student councils, and different things like that. But when I came to Australia, realizing that I was now in this professional degree, I had to kind of say no to myself and put a pause on that and say, yes, there is this student council here that you can join but you don't know what you're getting into yet in terms of handling all of the studying and expectations that's brought upon you as a student of a professional degree. So maybe take a bit of a pause and a break for a bit, figure that out, learn how to get your work study life balance together first, 
and then you can add that back in. So my leadership opportunities or what I'm doing in dental school um, is definitely not what I've been used to. So in my past degree, I was part of the pre-medical society. I did a lot of volunteering. I was part of the choir. So there were a lot of opportunities for like typical images of leadership. Whereas here, it's been a lot of focusing my leadership skills to myself. Um, I was reflecting on this with my mom a few months ago when I was telling her after I came out of class one day, um, we had this practical class where we learn how to do fillings and drill teeth and stuff on plastic models and some of the skills are really challenging to learn and I was just kind of ranting to my mom and saying it's so hard and you have to focus for three hours and continue to do something that you know that you're not good at at that moment but in that moment you can't do anything else but try and force yourself to turn off that switch that says, no, you're not good on this and change it into something that says, you can do this, you can try, you will grow. So finding that resilience within myself was something that I definitely learned at OELC. And while it wasn't a team situation, it was definitely kind of me working with myself in that moment. And that skill is something I have to apply every day in dental school, whether it's learning the theory, learning the practical schools. And not only that, it comes back in little ways when I'm working with my classmates who are in the same bay as me, when we're cleaning up together, when we're assisting each other doing procedures, um, group projects. So it's come back in a lot of subtler, smaller ways, rather than kind of the big projects that I'm used to with leadership. That's great. And I mean, we have this um, running gag about OELC, that the, the the leadership word can be replaced with many things. And um, what you're describing is the Ontario Educational Resilience Center, you know, like we have this people <laughs> of being able to bounce back. And that is, that is OELC's fundamental message, the idea that if you've never been knocked to the ground, you won't have a clue to how to stand back up, right? Yeah. And that, at the risk of making of making you misty, and this happens a lot, I, I went and tra tracked down one of your uh, former teachers and asked them for a quote about your uh, leadership. Here it is. Brahamia was one of the most wonderful, inclusive, kind-hearted, strong-willed, confident, and amazing leaders we've ever had at the helm of the presidency at Asian Court Music. How do you respond to that? That is so extremely kind. Um, I can't really, I mean, I will expect, I'll accept the compliment because, you know, you kind of tell yourself that you have to accept compliments and not always reject them. But at the same time, none of that was completely me, you know? It's like kind of like that quote, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm -hmm. Every experience that we had at Aging Court Music was 100% team effort. Um, whether it was the support I got through all the experiences or the people that I worked with to carry out those fundraisers and events and concerts, um, helping out with everything was definitely a team effort. So incredibly incredibly kind but yeah i i don't think that's fully me <laughs> talk to me a little bit about your career path i have it on good authority that you had to make a decision about what you're going to do you had to choose between science and music and you've chosen science as your primary career but you've kept music in your life i know you've been um, in the choir and done various things along those lines why is music still important music has always been the gateway to me 
expressing myself and finding some sense of peace and content in my life. When everything else is chaotic, I always know that I have got music to rely on and fall back onto. Um, so I think for me, it's easy to say that dentistry is my career goal and path, and it's what I want to do and work on for the rest of my life with that respect. Um, but just as equally important to me is to keep music in my life so that I'm connected to that expression. Um, and easily it is. I After leaving high school, we had such a strong program at Agent Court, like an incredible music program with incredible teachers, incredible students, incredible communication and teamwork and just everything kind of blends together so well there. Um, so to kind of go from there to a university in Ontario where I didn't have, there was barely any music program at all, I kind of had to find it again. Um, and luckily I was still able to continue violin classes on the side with my teacher back home. Um, but finding those pathways to keep it in my life um, has been tricky, but well worth the effort. Um, when I landed in Australia, my mom bought me a guitar for my birthday because it was my birthday the day that I landed. And that guitar has been my sole savior, definitely. I come back after a long day of school and I've taught myself, so it's not that great, but it's <laughs> perfect for just de-stressing and enjoying life. So having identified that duality, how did your OELC training support you um, with this, with with supporting your music um, while chasing down a scientific career? I think one of the key lessons that OELC has taught me is learning how to find balance, whether it's finding balance in a team between leadership styles, finding balance between your time management, finding balance between doing the activity and debriefing, um, definitely finding the balance between studying and focusing on science or dentistry or whatever it is versus finding that balance between music and your other passions. Um, OELC has taught me how to create that balance, the time management, the prioritization, the kind of changing your mindset into something that's a one track mind to something that looks 360. So I guess that's definitely where that ties into all of this. Now, volunteering is very important to you, and you volunteer with hospitals, Ronald McDonald House, seniors' homes, kindergarten classes. God, that would have been lovely, having taught kindergarten. <laughs> um, what, is, what drives you to volunteer? I think that when it comes down to it, it's identifying my privilege and understanding that I am lucky to have a safe home, to have family and friends that I can rely on and trust on, and to have all the experiences that I've had. So when it comes to volunteering, it's a way to give back with the privilege that I've received and to help others in whatever ways I can. It's almost a question of not why volunteer, but why not, you know? And I think more so than just, it's not really about me helping other people. It's more like everyone else has so much to offer so why wouldn't you want to get to know people and have those experiences and connect with them on a different level? 
um, my volunteer experiences were very much people oriented at um, the hospital. It was communicating with parents of pediatric patients or NICU patients. Um, so it was very much creating that deeper level connection and making sure they had a space safe to spend their time in while they were waiting at the hospital or when I was um, volunteering at the retirement home, it was just having chats with the residents at the home, hearing their life stories and hearing what wisdom they had to offer and spending time with the kindergarten classroom. That was just a heck of a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> they've, got, <laughs> they've got so much energy and it's also, um, you know, some kids, the classroom that we were in, um, they didn't always have opportunities to read with their parents at home um, because their parents were really busy trying to support them and create that life for them at home, um, which meant reading received a little bit less time. So I spent time reading with them in the classrooms, um, but more so than me helping them, it was very much them helping me. I learned so much from them. <laughs> so it was a really fun experience as well. They're the most honest audience you'll ever have in your life. You're busy teaching so them. If they don't like it, they get up and leave. It's not, it's not that they <laughs> politely. They're like, I'm out of here, man. Goodbye. So you learn how to be pretty much a dog and pony show pretty early on in the, in the process. Because they're like, goodbye. That's nice. <laughs> you do that. I'm going to go play with the blocks. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think I might know the answer to this, but it's always good to ask. What's next for you? What's next for me? Well, hopefully I will graduate from this program. That's mm -hmm. definitely the goal. Um, I would like to work in Australia for a year or two and uh, work in rural communities, um, help out where there aren't a lot of dentists, but also get the experience. And then ideally, I would like to come back home to Toronto, especially with COVID. It's been a really long time since I've been able to come home. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, when I do come home, I'd like to bring back all the things that I've kind of put on pause with myself, all the things that I was used to doing before I started this program. So playing music as part of an orchestra, having those leadership experiences where I'm part of a team and doing something that feels very proactive, um, working with kids and volunteering, those are all parts of my life that I'd like to actively start being involved in again. Um, and I think one day, not I think, I, I know, but I'm not too sure about how I'll make the details work yet. I think I've got a lot more experience and knowledge that are needed that will hopefully be built up along the way. But I'd like to either start or become a part of a program or a team that offers dental services to people who don't have dental insurance. Um, I think that it's really unfortunate how there isn't that sense of equity when it comes to dental healthcare compared to normal medical healthcare. Um, so if there's any way that I can play my part in evening that, that's the end goal for sure. It's quite true. Um, Canada's system is is well um, organized and and it's it's got its own um, foibles. But at the very least, the idea of medical care is very well understood. We have um, public medical care, and it may not be excellent at all times, but it is one hundred percent present. Which, and for example, in the United States, is not. Yet somehow, 
uh, Canada's attitude towards dental care is somewhat dismissive, which is very strange considering how many things can go wrong um, yeah. if you're doing a good job taking care of your mouth. And, it could, and that, that could lead you right back to the public health system. So yeah, it's very strange. And you're right, there's a complete hole there that I wasn't thinking about <laughs> until just now, but it's, <laughs> it's an immense hole. Well it's said. amazing that some people get to keep their teeth because they have money and others have to get them pulled out just immediately, which causes a whole boatload of issues down the track. And also not only, like you made a good point about how it's very connected to the health of your rest of your body, you know, and a lot, not a lot of people know that they think like teeth is a different part and the rest of your body is one thing, but they're very interconnected. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. So as I'm sure you're aware, OELC's had a bit, taken a bit of a hit. It's been hard for the, hard for the um, organization during uh, COVID. We've had to cancel um, full season for a second time, first in 2020 and then again in 2021. And so at the moment, it's um, somewhat unsure as to where things are going to go from here. And uh, I think we've made good points about OALC's um, impact on you and on people in general. But why do you feel that OALC needs to continue its work? What makes it important and useful in 2021? I think that rather than OALC being a place or a program, to me, it is a philosophy. It's a way of life. You go to OELC, you're impacted by the program or that one week of learning. And all of a sudden, everything you do is seen in a different lens. You behave in a different way. And it's just completely inspiring and life-changing. And to know that some students won't have the opportunity to have that experience simply because of something that's happened in our world that's changed our way of living is disheartening. So I think now more than ever in 2021, it's important for OELC to continue spreading its impact and its positivity, its teachings, because it is truly life-changing. And you'll talk to anyone who's been to the course and I can wholeheartedly assume that they will agree because it's what the course is. Okay, well, I mean, thank you so much for talking to me today. That's all the questions I have. Um, I really can't thank you enough for, for highlighting the impact this has had for you. I really appreciate you talking to us about your journey from, from being a leader to a youth facilitator. I hope to um, see you in your OLC gear in some other roles again someday, but for now, that's all the time we have. Thank you very much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It means a lot. <laughs> so that about wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening today. It's very much uh, my pleasure to bring these to you. And um, thanks to some real support from the OELC office staff over the last little while, I'm going to be bringing you more episodes more often. We have a roster of interested uh, parties who I am scheduled to speak with. And so you should expect me in your podcast software far more frequently over the next little while. So on that note, I hope you have a wonderful day and you stay safe. And I'll be speaking with you again very soon.